0: Keeping score, it's that time again. Yeah, the holiday cheer. We'll talk about what happened in 2016 and beyond in 17. That's a later later conversation for a later day. Just coming out of the winter meetings, we're heading into the fourth quarter of the NFL season. Heisman done. Are there too many bowls? We'll deal with all of that eventually. But the guy who I really enjoy... Opening presents with under the tree—we don't do that at all. Hi, Dan. No, we should Harry, though, Dan Colarusso? We should. Not bad.
1: It, could it we be? We should. A, could it be a palm tree down where you live, as opposed to uh, whatever we grow natively in Brooklyn? Well, you don't in...
0: grow anything natively, and if you do, it's in the summer because <laughs> I'm up here in Boston where it's about to be seven degrees. So oh, everybody who's listening on the sound of my to the sound of my voice, get some earmuffs on, okay, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, because it's it's brutal, it's brutal out there. But the one thing that's not brutal were the baseball winner meetings. So, um, you know, winners and losers, baseball wins. They're a $13 billion industry. Rob Manfred does it again, 30 years of labor peace. The home team no longer is decided by who wins the All-Star game, which is another win.
1: A seminal moment, a seminal moment uh, for, for baseball fans, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? We'll do loser in a minute. But what, what's, your, what's your biggest winner out of the winner meetings?
1: Wow. Um... You know, again, local boy, I'll, I'll give you a little home cooking. I love the Cespedes uh, move by the Mets because um, they act like a big market team and they've been accused of not doing that in the past. Um, but there's the balance of they didn't get rid of Jay Bruce or Granderson. Um, so I think a lot of teams are in that situation. There wasn't, you know, outside of a few big names, uh, there wasn't the usual rat a tat tat of trades and, and, and free agent signings. And I think everybody has done move one. And they're waiting on move two, right?
0: Yeah, you, and that, that would you be like? my loser. Who you, who so you like? my, my my loser, my loser is the bottom third of the league because, mm-hmm. or of baseball, because you know the rat a tat tat implies that people will trade up, trade down, trade their prospects, and you don't see a whole lot of teams uh, down at the bottom all of a sudden getting good, getting healthy. Mm-hmm. Houston did a little bit. The Yankees with Chapman. You know, made it interesting yet again.
1: You know the signing I, of
0: closers was good.
1: The signing of closers was close this was a year, this was a, like a bull market in closers, right? Yeah. And, right. And you know you know who I like though? And in sitting back, and we, we won't see it this year, we may not see it next year, but I gotta think the White Sox just built a strong, strong foundation. I mean they got rid of sale, well, they got rid of Eaton, and they got prospects, they got good prospects back.
0: Yeah. So the White Sox will be good. In 2023, so congratulations to them. Uh, I will tell you. See, you, you sound like a Cubs maybe fan. earlier.
1: You sound like a Cubs fan. I would say, the way baseball's going now, I'd like to see them. Okay, I'd like. I think they make a run in 2019. 19.
0: 19. You may be right. And, and listen, Chris Sale is great, but you got to have some guys around him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and now the Red Sox. Well, yeah. let's see what happens with them. You know, l- luckily you're you're a Met fan, so the Yankees. Um, um, they get Chapman, and and the Red Sox get Sale, so it's an arms race. Your point, though, by the way, is very perceptive, that one shoe dropped, but we're now we're waiting for the second shoe. Yeah. It'll probably happen before spring training opens up. But I'll tell you what the other shoe is. Congratulations, Chicago Cup fans. There is a lump of coal under your stocking or in your stocking as well. First of all, you win the first time in 108 years, so what do we have? You get ticket prices increased by on average, 31% for premium seats, and about 6% for upper deck seats. Now, upper deck at Wrigley Field is an upper deck because it's, like, right behind second base. But still, it's a big deal. And so what what does the market bear? The Cubs did it because they can.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's some, like, kind of kick. Like, we finally won. Like, Grandpa got to see the Cubs win. (laughs) And now he's going to have to trade his prescription meds. To get money for, for, for his tickets next year. I mean, it, you know, look, they have a lot of big tickets on the Cubs um, this year. They have a lot of big tickets. They have Theo Epstein, who they have to pay. Uh, the organization, ha- it, you know, it's it's expensive to be a winner, and it's expensive. To, it's more expensive to stay a winner, and that's what they're dealing with now. Like they've set the expectation, and they expect to win a couple of times in the next five years, and it's going to cost money to do that. Uh, and I think it's a it's it's interesting. You know, luckily, I guess people can go to White Sox games for a couple of years if they need a day in the sun.
0: Well, yeah, but here it's it's you and I both know this. It's Adam Smith, the uh, the one economic class that I decided not to skip. Mm. And the bottom line is, it's it's a free market. So during regular season, StubHub says the average ticket was ninety six percent above face for the Cubs. Wow. And postseason. above face. So I guess the management deserves a little bit of a break for attempting to capitalize and monetize. The issue I have, I guess, is this is a time where everybody else Increases their ticket prices as well. Right. There's enough baseball right there where people didn't automatically look at their wallet, but there's you know not the immediate remembrance of how our team sucks. The the Blue Jays went up about twenty three percent, but they did it variably. So a lot of the games are going up more than other games. So oh, at least they really they did
1: it on like a variable. Pri- I'm not familiar with. They did it on a variable price, like gold, silver, bronze kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and the bronze would be like the top, the bottom five teams in the league get the series in uh, decreased six percent so everybody's excited about the decrease but then you know the red sox coming in and when the cubs come in it's an astronomical increase but at least they're understanding there is some difference in value because the team that is the marquee team is going to be worth more to go see so that's an
1: interesting trend well i guess the cubs seeing themselves as the champs are the marquee team in every game they play so pay up chicago does have a special love affair with the cubs um, and it goes to cities and families, and how do, you keep that, um, how do you keep that feeling and loyalty alive across generations when it's too expensive to take a kid to a game if he's going to get bored at the sixth inning? Um, or, you know, the concession stand is going to be so expensive. Like how does that intergenerational thing happen and secure the, the economic base of the team? Well, the economic base is shifting I guess and that, that makes it a different equation so we can look at ticket prices but we can also look at other revenue streams but again I, I, you know you and I wanted to talk I wanted to talk about Detroit today another great mid midwestern city and the Pistons moving back after being in the suburbs for so long um, moving back to the city as the urban hub has become a, a, a viable vibrant place for sports teams and I think it's a, it's a great story because I remember, I, I'm old enough to remember when the Pistons left for Auburn Hills and how wrenching that was for a city. And it's on the rebound. Um, Detroit is on the rebound in general. Um, and I think the Pistons stepping in there is a, is a really, really terrific move uh, for the team. Well, and here's what, for the here's what it takes.
0: Yeah, yeah no, but, but I, I'm sorry to interrupt because yeah. I get passionate about all this because, you know, I spend 90 years doing this in my life. And, and here's what it takes it takes vision from guys who don't need to make the last buck and are willing to take some risk. So I was in the boardroom when Bill Ford Jr. was making a decision about whether to stay out in the suburbs. Remember when the Pontiac Silverdome yes. was being built, and then do you come back and build Ford Field downtown? He made a decision. We may lose some dollars in the, in the short term. We're not going to get development opportunity right away because we got to get out of bankruptcy first. The team, uh, mm-hmm. not the team, the uh, the, the, the city. The city right. And we're going to start this effort by going downtown. So Comerica Park and the Tigers, right? right. And then Illich and the Pistons and
1: the Red Wings. The
0: Red so Wings you have all left, four right? teams the, the in Red Chicago, made yeah. um, in Detroit. Yeah. They made the decision to go downtown, yeah. which is a great, great move. Yeah. You're right. Great, great
1: And great honestly, uh, we talk about players and sports as buys or sells on this show sometimes. I am such – there is a screaming buy on Detroit right now as a city. Um I think you see some really good companies there um, outside of sports, you know, Shinola, some artisanal brands, there's an artisanal food movement there. It's, it's shaping up to rise from the ashes. And I think, the, the, you know, the Pistons may seem like they took lo- too long getting back, but they may be in right at the pivot here. Um, and I think it's, you know, for, as an American story, um, it, it's a good American urban story. But, you know, yeah,
0: here's the irony. Here's the irony. You know, Dave Bing, um, who, best of intentions, mayor of Detroit, former Detroit Piston, everybody's Hall of Famer, frankly, a failure as a mayor. And I think a lot of it was because the economic timing wasn't right. He was, just Just like like Kevin Johnson, Johnson, you know, Phoenix Suns, mayor of Sacramento, the guy that drives the new arena back to Sacramento, the timing was right, not the political act.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, there were, I mean, these are the forces that happened in Detroit were forces th- from you know labor unions. They were forces from American consumers. They were forces from Chinese factories. They were forces from offshore manufacturing. Um, Dave Bing, great basketball player. Um, not everybody gets to be Bill Bradley uh, when they <laughs> when they yeah, move well when they move into politics. You know, and and again, timing wasn't great, but he's a part of this movement back in. And I think it's a I think it's 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 you know again it's a it's a great sign for Detroit. And I think it's part of a trend that behooves America because, you know, these location-based things. Like, again, I, I come from a city, um, uh, Brooklyn, uh, which essentially is as big as most of these cities, um, that didn't have a major league team for the better part of 40 years, right? And now we have two. We have the Islanders and we have the Nets. And building that arena meant a lot to that area. And, the you know, it, it involved a lot of community opposition. There, uh, You know, and I'd love to hear from you, like, what's the important – I mean, th- these arenas and teams – drive a tangential economy uh, or a secondary economy, that's immense, right?
0: Yeah, and uh, they, they're they catalysts. They don't do it themselves. The argument gets crossways when you look at a stadium and you say that's going to be the messiah, especially yeah. one in the suburbs. You know, a football stadium is used 10 days a year plus other mega events, right. and they stay suburban, and not a whole lot happens around them automatically. Baseball stadium downtown, now you're talking. Arena 200 days a year You're absolutely talking, and it's really up to the politicians to design a development opportunity to take advantage of that. That's why Ratner and his folks and the deal with Atlantic Yards is so important in Brooklyn because it takes one of the few catalysts we have and makes the deal happen. You know, it's ironic That when the WPA was used by Roosevelt to get us out of the recession slash depression, what did they do? They built state. Well, they built a lot of stuff, but they also built stadiums. You know. And so it is interesting that that's historic, and now we see stadiums as this symbol of wealthy people who could otherwise afford it. It is not an issue, and I'll go to my grave with this one. I don't care how many people disagree. It's not an issue of who can afford to build it. It's an issue of what it does if it's done
1: right. Right, absolutely. I mean, you see the areas, and, and again, I remember, I, I talk about the Jake a lot, because I remember when, you know, there was a shopping mall that led to the Jake, right, like a walk, like a promenade of stores right. and economic activity. You see the same thing developing around around the, uh, the, the Barclays Center, and if Detroit gets a little taste of that, and you're bringing in a, a relatively affluent fan base, um, that's not a bad thing for the community, um, and it's a and it's, it's economic development. Tell me, look, you've done a lot of these deals. What, what do you think, what was the single biggest transformation that you witnessed in your, uh, in your experience doing these?
0: Oklahoma City, by far. Yeah. You know, they went from a cultural wasteland with no water, a dust bowl, to a referendum that decided to build nine facilities, including an arena wow. and a stadium, without the uh, promise of an NBA team or an NHL team, because they were too small. Now they get one. Now they got a 55-story skyscraper and about six billion dollars of economic activity. So, to me, and it's not a cookie cutter. And
1: if we could talk about timing Def- on that, I mean, Hurricane Katrina proved that Oklahoma yes, City could support a franchise, right? Because because um, I forget the New Orleans team that was, I've, they change their names every few years, um, but they went and played there, right?
0: Yeah, Jazz, then Hornets. The J- Hornets remember Hornets, right, and then right. they then 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 they went back. Charlotte got an expansion team, and they retook the name Hornets because it's the Queen City. Right, and then New Orleans but, became the uh, Pelicans. Now,
1: but whoever yeah. it was went, went, <laughs> um, went to Oklahoma City and played those games and relocated to Oklahoma City for home games, right?
0: And, yeah, and, and then, that, they were, then and, there were the pre-Pelicans, right, right and then and the Pelicans became the Pelicans. But it, it is a fortuitous exam, merger of timing. Yeah. You wouldn't have this stuff if it's just one guy wanted to build a facility. It right. takes a lot of effort and some vision. And the same kind of thing segue for a minute mm. into one of the other reasons you do this, economic development. Another reason is tourism, right. hotels, special events. So in the next two months, we're going to resolve finally – the issues of the Los Angeles Raiders slash Oakland Raiders slash Los Angeles Rams slash San Diego Rams Raiders. You know, there are two teams that need to finish their deals, the Oakland Raiders and the San Diego Chargers. I think one goes to L.A., and joint ventures with the Rams, and the other one either stays in Oakland or goes to Vegas. Now, if it's Vegas, it's hotel-driven, and it's tourism-driven. So it's interesting. See what happens.
1: Right. Well, you know, first off, if I don't hear about the the Raiders and the Los Angeles football stadium again before I leave this earth, it'll be too soon. Uh, It's it's starting to be tiresome at this point. But, um, again, you look at an L.A. team, and what does that mean for infrastructure? What does that mean for traffic? How do you, you know, what public money goes into to making that stadium less than, uh, you know, a giant parking lot uh, on Sunday afternoons? And it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point for these teams because, you know, Raiders are on an upswing. The Chargers are where they are, where they always are, like break-even team, break-even record, break-even quarterback, break-even existence. Um, and, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, exactly. Know, w- it, what's the location change going to really mean for the franchise? Again, unless they commit to putting a better product out there and get some separation uh, in the business sense from, from the, the, uh, the other franchises.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, Mark Davis, it's an interesting concept because, remember, the Raiders came into the American Football League for $1,200. Right. Now the franchise is probably, depending on whether you believe Forbes or not, worth about a billion eight. So wow. you got some tax base issues, <laughs> and you got to figure <laughs> yeah. out how to dispose of the asset or deal with it for estate planning, and the family's been dysfunctional, and the only way they can make it healthy is if they get a big injection of cash. So is it going to be an Oakland deal? Maybe not. Is it right. Vegas? I'm not sure. But uh, uh, you know what? We've all heard the Los Angeles Raiders and moving to Vegas too much, so Vegas, 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 well, Vegas, we'll, maybe we'll, that'll be the last we'll, time We'll, we'll
1: have you make a prediction on it in your first podcast of... Uh, 2017. Deal. We'll make it. We'll Perfect. We'll hold, we'll hold you Perfect. to
0: it. Yeah. Hold me to it. I can't wait. But the other segue, which is interesting, is what other benefit is there from a franchise for a community? And we've done, and maybe backed by popular demand, a little of it. The Green Bay Packers story was so good at the beginning of the year. Now they're still struggling for a playoff spot. They're still relevant. And the Green Bay Packers are like, and Lambeau Field is like a museum. It right. is not. A pro sports franchise because the city's only 120,000,
1: and the whole idea park, of what it right? means
0: yeah. to a community is way beyond everything else.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. It's a it's a it's a way of life. It's a it's like um, <laughs> it's like a town that's over that's run by one religion. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it is very much a theme park to the history and to the to the ethos of, of the Packers.
0: Now to the special relationship between Green Bay and the Packers. My conversation with Green Bay Mayor Jim Schmidt. Your Honor, it's nice to see you? you again. I haven't seen uh, you since uh, the uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors we do on a regular basis. Right. You have a special position at the U.S. Conference of Mayors anyway because you, they, they, the sports c- committee, sports advisory group, is a group whose mayors can participate if they have a pro sports franchise in town in Dallas and New York and everybody else. And here is the mayor of a hundred and some odd thousand population right. town and you are royalty, basically. So it's a, it's a great honor for a great individual, but uh, you must be really proud of, uh, of uh, um, leading a city with the Green Bay Packers in it.
2: Yeah, it, we are. We, we know we're blessed. We're, it's special, right? I mean, yeah. like Mark said, you know, and by far we're the smallest-sized city to really have an NFL franchise, yeah. and, and not only an NFL franchise, but one that's very successful. Yeah. Um, you look at... You know, I talk about the economics, but like Mark said, you know, just the people who come and take tours, I mean, those aren't local people. We had 175,000 people just this year come and take tours, and we take a lot of pride in the Packers, too. I mean, it's just uh, great for the community to have, uh, you know, it's great to have a franchise, but it's also great to have a winning franchise. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's awesome. And, and, you know, we as mayors, um, as, as you know, because you're so involved yeah. in the U.S. Conference, <laughs> thanks for all you do yeah, for the conference. Great. But, you know, this is... It's economics, yeah. too. I mean, it's pride in economics, and, you know, be it baseball, uh, the basketball. Um, but I, I think the NFL is probably the ultimate franchise.
0: Ultimate franchise, and I can say it, and he can't and won't or doesn't have to, because that group of mayors at that level is a very interesting dynamic because they all get along very well, but it's equivalent to a Saturn plant vying to move from one city to another or a widget manufacturer or whatever it is, and so the mayor of Seattle and the mayor of Oklahoma City will be cordial, but believe me, they almost came to blows when the Sonics left. You don't get into that because you clearly, legally, won't get into that, can't get into that. It's kind of in a refreshing
2: perspective. It it is, because I think the the mayors of, uh, who have private uh, single owners, Mm -hmm. I think you live with that threat. I mean, I I, I felt bad for Mayor Slay when the Rams moved, and I'm sure that, I I think they, they have a plan going forward, but you know, I don't. That doesn't have to keep me awake at night. That the Packers are going to move, and I, I, and I that that's healthy for the community. And um, but again, yeah, you know, that's come from years, you know, ninety-one years of supporting each other as well. But uh, you're right, uh, and I think there's still you hear the rumors too at some of those mayors' conferences of somebody might be moving here or lobbying for this. And yeah, I, I, we don't have that here in Green Bay, and I'm, I'm I'm glad.
0: But it is interesting because the dynamic of a public-private partnership is consistent, and you do do that here, and you respect the fact what NFL economics really means, even though this stock share piece raises money. Uh, Mayor Jaden, I guess, one of your, your predecessor, was on the point of the Brown County uh, sales tax, I guess it was, to introduce the dollars for the original renovation in 2003, a while ago. Uh, yeah, I'm not
2: so sure. I, I, I want to say that we had a, a stadium board yeah. um, that I was vice president of. I, 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 I think that was um, really led by the public, yeah. um, this, yeah, right. this this this, this uh, half percent sales tax, which generated about $18 million a right. year and just and from and our the,
0: little it, county. And the point, not really who did it and who didn't and who takes credit for it, but the point is that for that to be approved, people in the region had to understand that this is a – iconic legacy item that's worth protecting and it wasn't really billionaire owners threatening to right. move. You didn't have, they didn't have that leverage, but you approved it basically yeah. um, close, but it led to the renovation.
2: Hey, you think about that Rick, yeah. the, the people yeah. of Greater Green Bay or Brown yeah. County voted to for, for a, a sales tax. Yeah. I mean that means everything that we yeah. bought was going to be a half percent more yeah. for the next for the foreseeable future and They did that, and I think they really understood that, look, I really want to vote a tax increase for myself? Probably not, but then you look at the economics and you look at the pride of the community and just the partnership that we've had with Bob Harlan, who Mm. was the president at that time. Right, Right, and Mm. with Mark Murphy now, um, I I think everybody would tell you now they voted for it, but Mm. it was closer than we thought. And and again,
0: just to hammer home the point for an international audience, it's not easy... But the whole threat of moving in industry is always an important consideration when you lobby for uh, subsidies or some kind of support from the public. That isn't here, and yet the Brown County voters voted to make sure that this infrastructure was continued to be perpetuated
2: for the foreseeable future, right. which was amazing and unique. It, it really was. And I think the other reason that that we passed that night, that why some communities may struggle with that, yeah. is we don't have that wealthy owner. And look, I'm all about making money, but um, there just wasn't that, um, I don't know if it's animosity, but there wasn't that jealousy, right, of, uh, of one individual owner. Um, you know, you're know, you an owner, yeah. I'm an owner, yeah. or, I mean, our kids are. and I think people are like you know we're okay with the money going to this public ownership versus uh, an individual. Uh, so I it was healthy for Green Bay. Are you an owner too? I am. Oh yeah, yeah. I got. I'm like Mark said, you know, I, people who make money on this are the framers. But I've got you know um, stock <laughs> certificate framed hanging in my office. Those kind of,
0: not the Constitution framers, the picture no, no, framers. No, I'm talking about the picture <laughs> framers, that's, that's ladies and, and uh, gentlemen. Do you, do you have more? Do you have more equity than than I do? Do you <laughs> have more voting rights? No, we're the same. Is we're that the right?
2: same. <laughs> we're the same. That's the beauty of the Green Bay patterns. Yeah, it
0: is. So. You know, what I started with here was kind of interesting. When you put the global franchises in perspective, and Forbes' numbers are pretty compelling, it's Real Madrid, it's the Cowboys, but the Packers are right in the middle of the list of the top 50 franchises worldwide. How does that make you feel as are yeah, at Green Bay? That's incredible,
2: right? I mean, a city our size, and, and it's, it's it, you know, I've been to a lot of cities like you, yeah. but I mean, 104,000 people uh, they're in the municipality and about 200,000 uh, people in the metro area and You know, to to have a franchise that wins, plus the value that Forbes said it holds, um, it's incredible from a marketing perspective. You know, uh, often when we are recruiting businesses or uh, educational facilities, um, everybody knows Green Bay, and that's a good place to start. We don't have to explain who we are. And I think sometimes they see too much of the Packers, but we parlay that, and we tell people, international people that come in, uh, as well as people throughout the United States, that, you know, you know, the Packers' values are the Green Bay's values. I mean, we, we love to win, but, I mean, it's focused on families, community, and, and I think businesses like that, uh, the, the same structure of having this community uh, partnership. And, you know, the Packers have led that since 1919, which is incredible.
0: So hard for others to quantify with the emotion that a mayor, an experience that a mayor would have on this one. Uh Obvious, but harder to quantify. Industry relocation, quality of life, feeling good about a community. How important are the packs?
2: Yeah, and it's right up there. Um, I I think people need to understand um, the Green Bay is more than, you know, 10 games a year. And and as Mark said, you know, this facility uh, is utilized pretty much every day. I'm out here a lot for charity fundraisers, for meetings. um, But, you know, that civic pride, you know, it's like, you know the green bay symphony our, our children's museum i mean people love to have ownership of of, of what of what the community is all about our university which is a d1 school our medical mm-hmm. college you know and you put the green bay packers right in there that we're very proud of this and not only uh it would never take it for granted i mean i think that's that's healthy for the community and um on the other hand i do want to say that um and i was here when they weren't as successful mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, people can have a bad Monday, but, you know, we got to move on as well. Right. But it's just been a bad two decades. <laughs> they did. They did. <laughs> Sorry. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bad two decades. Everybody
0: in this room is agreeing with me. Don't look the other way. All right. <laughs> right. But we still
2: have more champions yeah. than anyone else. Clearly, so. by All far.
0: Right. By far, by the way. And so at the end of the day, do the Green Bay Packers fit into your um, your business uh, development
2: Advocacy strategy around around the country as well, and, and I, I think as much as we love football and the pride of the Packers mm. and Bart Starr and all that, it is a business, yeah. and um, it's 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 an economic catalyst for us. I mean, uh, I hope you can take your your viewers and kind of show them the development that's going on. I mean mm-hmm. this. You know, I don't have known you for maybe ten years, but I mean, fifty years ago, this was a cornfield yeah, here, and yeah. you just look at the development and um, five expansions, um, and, and and now what's going on with uh, uh, some new hotels, uh, some new businesses uh, here across the street, and um, you're really taking a property and, and and increasing the value all around here, and then. You know, there's this whole residual effect too with, 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 with tourists that come in and go other places and stay here you know and um, so yeah and it's been good and as a recruitment tool you know we're, yeah we have a lot of partnerships I mean Mark Murphy and I have both uh, gone and called on mm-hmm. businesses together and what a partnership that is and um, so yeah I mean I we love the game of football but you know as the mayor I see it much more than that is this whole economic development and um, Tourism dollars and really just elevating the presence of the city, of Green Bay. When you do step down, whenever that is, are you are you running again? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm in uh, my fourth term. I'll uh, be the longest-serving mayor in Green Bay's history, and it's are I, you term I, limited.
0: I, no, oh, so you can run for another five or six
2: terms. If <laughs> yeah, you <want. laughs> uh, How's your golf game? Uh, it's getting better. Yeah, right. It's getting so, better. It's getting better.
0: And you you get more shares if you win. No, so there's no incentive to do anything <laughs> more. A, it anymore.
2: just Right. Now, the so incentive I have is to have happy <laughs> constituents, and the Packers good for you. help that. So. Good for you.
0: That's as good as I could get to get Mayor Schmidt to commit or not commit, but he is a classic politician and also a good friend. Thank you very much Thank that. you. Really am glad appreciate you're here. It. So let me just conclude by telling you that we are in a special place. We've been in a special place, and people didn't know about it. And from basically 1919, this has been a special franchise. When it was involved in the old AFPA with teams like Pottstown and others, nobody really knew what that meant. But they survived, and nobody else did. But they also survived and wrote their own rules. And the rules for an international audience are the envy, by the way, of every North American sports franchise Why? Well, because it's stability, it's community ownership, it's a business partnership. Whether this mayor wasn't any good or not, he is. But the bottom line is that this community and this team and this position in the NFL is an incredibly unique business and very happy to be part of it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Harrow. The producer of the show, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Bethel Hobte. Assistance provided by Tanner Simpkins and Carlos Waddick and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Colarusso.